I'm starting today's episode by letting you know there is nothing wrong with your podcast platform. In a few minutes, it might sound like I'm talking at 2x speed. I am not. I'm Dave Schwartz, Iowa Dave on Instagram, and for as long as I've been able to speak, I've been a fast talker when I get excited. That's why I talk so fast throughout this episode, because I was so excited to talk to both of my guests. First, we have the Emperor of Sports Cards Live and the new Sports Cards Live auctions, Jeremy Lee. I walk in there. I feel like, oh, here we are. We're back again. And now I just want to I just want to cover as much uh, as much square footage as I, as I can. After that, we welcome in Mr. The Hobby is the People himself, John Newman. The show is kind of what you make it. Kind of sort of have a game plan, but at the end of the day, right? What are we traveling? What do we go to these events for? To have fun, to create memories, and that's that's the bottom line. I've brought Jeremy and John together in one episode to create what I hope is the ultimate primer for the ultimate event of this hobby, the national. Recently, seven national first timers took part in a Q and A on my website hobbycontent.com. John and Jeremy today will be answering their questions and mine. And yeah, sorry, sometimes words are going to fly out of my mouth at warp speed. I hope you'll enjoy this even if you're not going to the National. Jeremy and John have combined to attend more than 20. And they're here to share their expertise on this episode of the shallow end. One of the things that that I noticed in the replies from from the first time attendees, and I'm a first time attendee, I, I didn't put my own. I will be anyway. I didn't put my own thoughts in there. Perhaps I will at some point. But one of the things they consistently said in talking about their anticipation of the event is that they don't expect to actually find anything that they're looking for. Meaning, they they they've heard the advice, make the list, go in, you know, especially the rare cards, you know, make your top ten list, and they've made those lists, but they don't necessarily think it's going to happen. It's more, let's meet people, let's socialize people they've talked to online now for six months, for a year, for two years. It's a chance to finally meet someone, but they know that it might not be a realistic, or they think it might not be realistic to find that needle in a haystack. What do you think about that? There's been a longstanding uh, saying about the national that uh, if you if you are looking for something, you'll find it at the national. I've never subscribed to that though, because that might have been true up until you know the end of the '80s when there wasn't such a large assortment of cards. But you, know, you go through the '90s and now into the what's been going on in the last ten years with the proliferation of inserts and parallels and uh, different sets. You can't find everything at the national, despite what some people might lead you to say. So. I think that approach that these that that your uh, your first timers uh, are going into the show with, I think it's a very realistic approach, and I think it's a good one because now they're managing their expectations. You know, if you think that if you have a list of ten very rare cards, you may be lucky if you find half of them there, maybe even just one or two. So I think it's a good. I think that that's the proper way to go in, just as in terms of mindset. Uh, you know, meet the people, see some friends you've made online. And whatever cards you find from that list is really going to be sort of like the, the the icing on the cake as far as the show goes. How about you? I mean, you, you're involved with TAG. You, you're so many other partnerships in the hobby. Do you personally get a chance to to shop and look around and walk the floor? Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, of course, that's, that's probably my favorite thing to do there. You know, the people are, are great, of course. But I love looking at hundreds of showcases filled with cards. And so, yeah. Historically, I've always been able to walk around. This year will be a bit different. I will be more sort of tethered to the tag booth, but I will be out walking the floor, looking through showcases and finding things or trying to find something that catches my eye. 
I know that's what I'm most looking forward to. To be, I mean, I'm excited to meet lots of people as well. But at the same time, I, I I'm a museum person, and I'm approaching it as I'm going to get to see some things I, I I don't get to see very often. So I'm ex I think I'm going to split it 50 50. Excited to shake some hands, but also like to see some cool stuff. Yeah. Um. All right. So Brandon, uh, Brandon at Sports Card Struggles, uh, he wrote, uh, while there are Definitely shows that are closer to where he lives. Most of them are lackluster, for lack of a better term. The ones that are with one hour of me, within one hour of me, are small and only happen once or twice a year, and they don't have anything that I'm looking for. How do you uh, to respond to this idea? Uh, and and certainly, I have the same thought that Brandon does. We keep hearing how big the national is, but when you first walk through those doors and you're into the big room. Do you, is your breath still taken away? What's it like for you when you first walk in? I mean, I've been, I've been to 14 nationals, so I, I know what to expect. So I don't have that, that, oh my gosh. Now I do walk, when I do walk through the, the main doors of Chicago, I feel like this is where I want to be. I get this feeling of this is the Mecca for our hobby. And uh, so while I'm no longer overwhelmed by the size of it, just because I'm used to it by now, I still walk in for the first time and I'm just, the excitement level is through the roof. I want to, I want to run and look in the showcases because I just know that, you know, the, the best stuff or the, the key cards that I'm maybe interested in are going to be snapped up. So I walk in there, I feel like, oh, here we are, we're back again. And now I just want to, I just want to cover as much, uh, as much square footage as I, as I can. I heard someone say, it may, I forget who it was the other day, that if you get there early, when the doors open, you will see people physically running for for certain areas. Do you think so? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think oftentimes they're probably running for the grading oh. area so that they can be early in line. Uh, or there's giveaways. You know, there's giveaways at the tops booth, the panini booth, the upper deck booth, the leaf booth, you know, they're People are running for giveaway, among other businesses set up there. People are running for the giveaways. They're running to beat the lines. Uh, and maybe even for the autograph pavilion to get in line early. Yeah. Um, Kevin, who is at Nostalgia underscore card, said, uh, for the reason that he's going for the first time, he says, I consumed so much content around the National the past two years or so that I became so interested in experiencing, experiencing a show on that scale, uh, there is a lot of content. And in fact, uh, on hobbycontent.com, I, I started an archive of pages of people, uh, of podcasts and social media feeds and YouTube pages, uh, channels of just uh, talking about the national, talking about the national. Is there any chance that, that it's being built up so much that, it's, that it could not possibly meet what these expectations are? Or is it really, for lack of better words, that? cool i mean i don't think that that's possible i think it is that cool and i think that the reason why you see so much content around it is because the show is that much fun there's that much there it's that big uh nothing compares to it uh in our hobby so yeah i think that i i think that you know if you are watching content on the national leading up to the national all that's going to do is get you psyched and more more excited for it so I don't think you're going to be let down. I really don't. Have you ever taken part with the autographs? I, you know what? I haven't. I've never been an autograph getter at a card show, but I've walked by and peered into the area and seen the mayhem in there. Yeah, I'm, I'm wobbling. I'm thinking about going in. I wasn't planning on it. And then I saw they added Kareem late. Now, I mean, man's a legend. Um, MJS underscore sports cards. Mark was saying that he's curious about doing that should he do it because he uh, doesn't want to waste his entire day you know standing in line you know for some grumpy someone who's going to shake his hand and and then off he goes um but i guess that's something that mark will just need to uh, sort of figure out on his own how useful um is the map they, they include the map with the with the table numbers is have you found that to be a useful tool you know, I've never used the map. I like to walk in and just kind of wander in whatever direction my feet and eyes take me. And I find often, Dave, that I will kind of walk. It's not organized such that you can just, you know, do a nice, you know, 
up one row, down the next. Up, it, It's staggered. There's different areas that are set up differently. So the map is probably very useful, especially if you're looking for certain vendors. But once you are in there, you know, if you're there for the whole Wednesday through Sunday, or if you're only there for three days, whatever it is, you know, after that first day, you'll you'll have a good feel for how the show is set up. It's not that confusing where everything is. So I think I'm sure the map is helpful. Uh, but you know, I I would I don't want to say what anyone should do, but the way I approach it is, you know, again, I wanna I wanna be surprised. So I'll kind of just wander around and then I'll think to myself, did I go to that area over there? Or did I miss uh, some tables? And I'll kind of go back. And as I'm going back there, I'll look through showcases that I might've already looked at, but you know, you're going to see new things every time because there's just so much there. So maps, a good idea, I think, but I've never used it. Yeah. You know, we are talking about, you know, kind of going through and seeing what's there. Um, I think I was listening. What day is this? This is we're recording on a Tuesday, I think last week, last Thursday or Friday, listen to a podcast and someone said, when you see something that you want, just grab it because it's not going to be there possibly when you return. But okay. And then the immediate next one I listened to said, don't buy something the second that you walk in, make a note and then go back for it. So break the tie for us here. I mean, I might've been the one that said the first thing because I'm a firm believer that like, and like I said a few minutes ago, you know, if you walk into that show and you see a card that you really want, and it is a it is a rare card. Now, I'm not talking about a Mike Trout Tops update or a Michael Jordan rookie. Don't rush for those. Connor McDavid Young Guns, there's absolutely no rush. But if you're looking for a, a rare card out of, out of 10 from a recent year, even out of 25 or 50 or something out of 100 from the 90s, uh, you know, a, a certain vintage card that is beautiful for the grade that you, that speaks to you, I can almost guarantee that that card, you know, might not be there even half an hour later. I've had it happen to me so many times, Dave. And I so I stopped doing it where I see a card, you know, and I'll kind of make mental notes. All right, this card and at this table under this sign, et cetera. I'll walk around for a couple hours. But, you know, I think that's the one I want. I go back. It's long gone. The guy, I said, do you still have, do you still have that Sidney Crosby? He's like, no, that sold about half an hour ago. I'm like, oh, darn it. And, and and it's also happened to me setting up not just at the national, but setting up at the expo in Toronto. I will see a customer will come by my booth and they'll be like, all right, I'm going to keep that one in mind. I'm going to see what else is there. And just got here. I'm going to make my rounds, decide where I want to spend my money. And then I'll come back. Same guy comes back, you know, two hours later. Hey, do you, do you still have that Gretzky card? No, man, that, that sold an hour ago. Like that happens so many times. So I'm a firm believer. Uh, I'm a, I listen. You have to do what you're comfortable with. And a lot of people don't want to go to the national on a three day or five day trip or even one day and walk in within 10 minutes, blow their budget. You know, that, that kind of, well, what do I do for the rest of the day? So you have to consider that, but it depends how much you want that card that you see right away. And I, I give the advice all the time. Don't wait. If you see a card that you want, it's, you know, you're taking a big chance. It'll be gone quickly once you leave, if especially if it's rare. I guess that kind of goes too to one's perspective. If you go in there, maybe hoping to pick up a card, a couple of cards, but you also could enjoy the experience. You can enjoy all the other things that are going on. Uh, not necessarily the autographs, but just the meeting people and the giveaways. Maybe you do walk in and, and by happenstance, the first or second table that you're at happens to have it but then you can prepare yourself to be okay with that because you've you've already got sorry about that because you've already have what it is that you want but you know the whole thing is not just about buying 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 well exa exactly i mean if you it all depends on on your personality and that but if you go in you see that card right away you've got a $1000 budget for the show and and that card is you know almost $1000 or $1000 and you spend that money and but that's the that's that card you know will make your your experience at the national worthwhile from a card acquisition perspective. Buy that card, don't look back, and now you're almost free to roam the show with no pressure to find anything. You've already got the card you want, and now you can just kind of do some scouting for other cards and you know get get some phone numbers from vendors and you know hey i really like this card if you still have it at the end of the show you know i'll send you a message i'll email you i'll send you a text 
Maybe you can follow up with that guy mm -hmm. or gal and get that card, you know, down the road a month later, a couple weeks later, uh, when you've got more spending money. So it's not a bad idea to, you know, it's not the worst thing I should say if you spend your money right away and then you can spend the duration of your time at the show again, just without that pressure and enjoying yourself without the, even the pressure feeling like you have to find something cause you already did. Sure. Say you do find it. That leads to something that, that, uh, Matthew at 1956 tops guy, um, that he wrote he'll be attending for the first time um he was certainly not alone in this sentiment but he sums it up nice and concisely he said um i don't expect to do much buying because i think i get better cards at better prices online ebay facebook message boards etc is it urban legend that all prices are jacked up at the national or is it just like any place else where some prices are high and some prices are fine I believe that's urban legend. I believe that's just a lot of people that, uh, you know, love that they just maybe haven't been as much or uh, they just like to, you know, have they like to spin that negative sort of that that narrative about the national and everything. The, the, the truth is, is that there's all sorts of different people set up at the national. Some people will still probably be be kind of married to the values of two years ago and a year and a half ago and maybe they you know they got in at the wrong time you know at the, at the peak and they're not willing to let their cards go uh but that's i mean they're not going to sell any cards so that's fine then you're then you have then you have the the museum people the i don't want to show off has a, a negative connotation but the people who are there to exhibit their collection and they will put high prices on it because they don't they're not there to sell necessarily they're to sell if they can get their number and i don't hold that against them a lot of people will say well don't put it out if you're gonna ask a crazy price well somebody might come along and pay that price somebody might value it as high as you do if if it's a liquid commodity type card then then you're just maybe you're just kind of flexing for no other reason but if you're there to show off the, your pride and joy that you've built over years or decades and, uh, you know, maybe you don't even have prices on them. And somebody might say, how much for this? They say, well, you know what? My my not for sale price is X. And meanwhile, the actual price is half X or the actual, the most recent comp is. Um, so you will have people like that. But there are so many people that this is how they feed their families. They need to sell cards. So they're going to sell cards. And in order to do that, they're going to have to price competitively. So to say that you can find things cheaper online, yeah, you can, but different things, first of all. And you can find things cheaper at the show than you than you might online as well. So it's there's no general rule for this. You're going to find all scenarios. Okay. One question that I really appreciated uh, was, his name is Scott. It's at WCO Cards. And he's, he's fairly new to the hobby. Just got back in November. So he's only a little less, a little more than a half of a year in. And he says he just he collects soccer. That's that's why he got into it. He, he likes soccer cards. Um, but when he goes to his local shows, he says, uh, local shows, I'm lucky to see a handful of soccer cards. I meet some good people, but local shows are a waste of time, and meaning in terms of hunting for what he wants. How is the uh, the diversity of what people are selling at national? I, I know uh, Ken at Sports Card Lessons made it to the Toronto show. For the first time, and not surprisingly, lots of hockey, um, some baseball, not much NFL. Um, there are some shows, you know, here in the States along the East Coast that are very heavy in vintage, but not in modern. Is everything at the National or is it still heavy toward one area? It's going to be heavy towards baseball because it's just there's so many there's so many baseball cards in the history of the hobby. But you will find everything there. If you're going there looking for soccer, you won't be disappointed. You know, you're going there looking for wrestling cards. You're not going to be disappointed. Uh, if you're looking for F1, if you're looking for Pokemon, if you're looking anything, it's it's all there. Not every card in the world is there, but every genre is represented and represented well. People, you know, the, can, the, the hockey collectors always say there's not much hockey at the National, but there's always more than you think. There's always plenty there. It's just it, it's just sort of watered down amongst all the baseball, basketball, football. I mean, those three are the most are by far. And baseball, I mean, there are sections of the show 
uh, or areas with that are really vintage heavy and it's just like 95% baseball, but everything is there. And, and there, again, it's so big. And this year it's bigger than ever. I think they, add, I forget how many square feet they added, but they added a, a significant amount of square footage to the show this year. So I can't even tell you because it'll be my biggest show ever uh, in a couple of weeks. And, uh, but I just feel like it'll be, you know, the same kind of, uh, ratios will just be extended out into these new areas i would think maybe maybe not though maybe the actually maybe it'll be more of the basketball uh you know soccer will will get a bit more uh share of the new square footage because it'll likely be newer newer dealers i would think okay how about safety and security uh the basketball card podcast that was released just late last night uh he took a, a few minutes to talk about the idea of cards are stolen every national cards are stolen uh, with with hundreds and hundreds and i don't know how many hundreds of booths sure it, it's going to happen but what do you recommend jeremy um how can people keep their own stuff safe well if you're a vendor i mean you have to deal with security that way make sure your cards are in showcases of course uh, under glass um, that's important and locked and, you know, you take precautions at night, you seal them up in a sentry bag or a body bag as they're called. Uh, but for the regular attendee, you know, I was actually talking to Adam from the basketball card right. podcast the other day. And, and he said, you know, I haven't been since 2019. What do you, th what, any, 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 uh, advice for me? And I said, I said, you know, bring a bottle or two of water. <clears throat> I said, you know, shoes are of utmost importance, which people will tell you, like, don't wear fancy shoes. You need to wear soft cushion shoes. Extremely important for, for your just for your body. It's those floors are unforgiving and they're, they are long days if you're going to be in there. But from a security perspective, a lot of people and this is kind of this is an interesting one. A lot of people wear backpacks because they feel like, all right, it's on their back. But a backpack will end up hurting you if it's heavy over the course of, of the show. So I use a wheelie, you know, just like a, a, an airport carry on. I use one of those and my hand does not come off the handle of that thing ever. So if someone is going to run up and snatch it from me, there's thousands of people in the show that are going to pounce on that guy. Cause you know, we're all kind of looking out for each other. I've seen instances at the national where all of a sudden you're standing there and then two rows over, you hear this big kerfuffle and there's all these people kind of rushing towards a towards something and they're chasing down somebody who's being chased because he stole cards off a table or from somebody. So the hobby will will be there for you, you know, if, especially if you're in the show. But I, you know, people will have very valuable cards on their person, whether it's whether it's, you know, in a backpack, in a Zion case or in a wheelie that they're pulling behind them and. I guess, you know, theoretically, any of these things could get stolen. You know, obviously, don't put your stuff down anywhere and leave it unattended. That would be idiotic. There's going to be lots of people looking for opportunities to steal in the in this show. So just be mindful, you know, be mindful and uh, and keep your hands on your things at all times. Um, you know, if you have pockets, may, try and have buttons on them. If you're keeping cash in your pockets, you know, uh, I would just be be careful, be careful. You mentioned food and water. Are food? This is a dumb question. I could probably look this up in the fine print. I don't know. Are food and water allowed on the floor of the convention? Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah. You you can buy food, water. You can buy alcohol on the show floor. You know they they sell beer and stuff. Uh, but you know you're gonna pay. I believe you're gonna pay through the nose for water. The food is not good. The food is just not good. I mean you're 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 get you know it's all deep fried. It's 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 it's. Listen, it might be tasty, but it's probably the unhealthiest food there is out there from, uh, you know, outside of straight candy. So, uh, but, you know, I always say just bring water. You have to be hydrated. The days, it'll go by fast. You know, you can walk in there at 10 a.m., 4 o'clock. You're like, I haven't gone to the bathroom once. I haven't had a sip of water once. I need to hydrate. So, you know, and I don't, you know, unless you want to pay, show, you know, convention prices for a bottle of water. I don't know what that is, four or five, six dollars a bottle. Bring your own. I mean, for, you know, you get a bottle of water for, for a buck uh, on, on your way there from some corner store. So, um, but yeah, wa water, food, you know, granola bars, that kind of thing. Kind of good to have some snacks as well. 
but you know, with the with the uprise of deliver like uh, Uber Eats and that kind of thing, you can also just get food delivered there to you. Yeah, and you know, um, I quite like, that all that all makes sense. And my my question with it was, I'm thinking more from an from an etiquette point of view. I, I have not set up at a show. I don't know if I ever will, but I think I would be furious or nervous if somebody is walking up and they're chewing on a granola bar and it's dropping crumbs on my showcase or they have an open bottle of water or you know a, or a soda right which is sticky and, and carbonation can destroy things is there an I, I think I know the answer to this but I'm going to ask anyway um do people have people come up to your tables in the past when you're selling and they were just you know drinking eating stuff and spilling and and then and what is the etiquette with this yeah food not so much I haven't really experienced that but drinks for sure you know I've been set up as a vendor and someone will put their their coffee cup, you know, on my showcase. And, and, you know, I kind of, I want to trust that people are going to be careful. So I'm not, I don't, I don't go crazy about it, but I might say, Hey, do you mind just putting that over a couple inches where there's some actual, like, don't put it on the showcase, put it on my table, at least where there's some space between showcases. Now that still can be dangerous. So I'm kind of taking a leap of faith there. If you are, if you just want to have a clear mind, you know, and someone puts a drink down or they're holding their coffee or their soda or their water over your showcase, just say, hey, thanks for looking. But, you know, would you mind just holding, just pull your cup back so it's not over the showcase? You know, if you say like people are going to respond nicely, they're not going to, oh, sorry, you know, they're not even thinking about it. So they're not, you know, I would, but this is important. I think the takeaway from this, Dave, is if, you know, if you are a vendor, just be nice to these people. I don't think they're trying to damage your your inventory, your goods, your cards. If you're a, if you're an attendee and you do it, and a vendor asks you nicely to pull it away, note it. You know, say, "Oh, my bad, understood." You know, pull it away, and then don't do it again for the rest of the week. But if a vendor says to you, "Get your f and coffee off," like just walk away and don't deal with that because that person. That person's just in a bad mood. Probably not someone you want to in, engage with anyway or do business with. You know, kind of. So, yeah, that'd be my advice. Okay, so just a couple more here. Um, Austin at Carlson Cards uh, says that uh, his my number one reason to go to the National over other shows is to connect with as many of my, quote, online friends as possible. It's crazy to me that I've talked with dozens of people for two years plus without having ever met them face to face. Uh, this is your, you said your 15th or so national. Is this still happening to you? Are you still meeting people uh, for the first time when you go to nationals or is it now, is it like more like a reunion for you? I mean, you know, as a content creator in the space, I'm meeting people for the first time every time I go to a show because people come up and say, oh, hey, you're Jeremy from Sports Cards Live. Nice to meet you. I, you know, listen to your show, watch your show. So I get to meet people because of that. If I wasn't a content creator, but was active on social media, I would assume it would be the same thing. You know, back to Adam Gray from Basketball Card Podcast and Fanatic. You know, we were chatting the other day and I haven't seen him since the 2019 National. He said, he goes, man, I'm looking forward to seeing you for the first time in four years. I'm like, Adam, I see you twice a month. Like we spend a lot of time together on a screen like this but not in person. So yeah, I'm looking forward to high five and a bro hug, but I don't, it's not like I, like I'm going to, it's a reunion of sorts with someone like that. But for people that you, you know, you only comment on their Instagram posts, maybe you've, you've done a podcast with them or seen them on podcasts, you're going to meet them for the, in person for the first time. That's, that's really how relationships I believe are truly forged because, you know, when you're, once you've met someone in person, it takes it to the, it takes that friendship to the net, I find, and not just in the hobby, but it takes it to the next level, right? Like, you know, and I haven't done internet dating for 15 years, probably. But even then, you know, think of it that way. If you ever did, you might talk to somebody, you know, for a week or two weeks or a month online. But then when you meet in person, now you get to really understand the person better. So not just from a dating perspective, but from a hobby, hobby friend dating perspective, I guess, yeah, it's going to it's going to be amazing for someone like Austin who hasn't met any of these people for 2 years. You're going to meet them. You're going to have a meal with them maybe, maybe have a, a drink with them, maybe go, you know, leave the show, go grab a coffee. There's a 
There's a Starbucks in the lobby at the at the Chicago show. Maybe you go grab a Starbucks together. These little experiences are really what make the hobby all about the people. So yeah, I, I, I'm excited for people like Austin who are going to have this experience for the first time. Yeah, I'm sort of half toying with the idea of wearing a name tag that just has my Instagram handle on it and walking around and you know maybe you know, somebody will recognize me from a conversation or, or something. That might be dorky, but I still might do it. You know, I, I don't not do it. Um, a name tag, a name tag might be something like people will actually look at it and think, well, that that's maybe, oh, that's weird. Why is the guy wearing a name tag? Like what company is he with or something? You know, I think you're probably more recognizable by your Instagram logo, your icon, your ID in, in the yellow. If I were you and you wanted to let people know who you were, I would get a shirt made and just put your put I, your, your circular I, your Instagram logo on the front, the yellow one, Dave, which I think is very, it's a, you, it, it stands out when you're scrolling, yours stands out because it's nice, nice and bright yellow. I would, uh, I would get a shirt made with that, that, that way, you know, people will definitely see it. And, uh, oh, I recognize you, you know, oh, you're, and then, you know, instead of putting Dave, they'll, they'll recognize you from your logo. And then you can, that the conversation will be, Hey, I follow you. What's your name again? You know, and then you go from there. Sure. So any, any final thing that I have not asked yet, anything that if you were talking to someone who has not been there before that you would advise them to do or something to think about, you know, take advantage of the experience, if, especially if you're traveling for it. And, uh, you know, maybe you don't go to the national every year. Um, you know, just take it in. Don't, don't rush it. But at the same time, you know, buy the card you love or you need when you see it is my advice. And I know a lot of people will give the opposite advice, but you can decide which one you want to take and how that works for you. We'll see at the end of the show. Uh, enjoy, enjoy the experience. Be open minded. Um, you know, there might be people that you don't agree with everything they say online. Uh, there might be people that you do agree with everything they say online. When you meet them in person, they may not be who you thought they were for better or for worse, you know, the bad guy or the guy you don't like from their online persona, you might really like in person, the guy you really like their online persona, you might not like them in person. So be open minded. And, uh, and, you know, just go in, go in ha to have a good time. And uh, try not to judge what anyone else is doing. A lot of people love to oh, all the all the content creators and their camera crews, you know, who cares, they're doing their thing, you do yours, don't 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 let them don't let someone else's experience ruin yours, you know, um, just go in, enjoy it, take it in and uh, make the most of it. Well, Jeremy, this has been great. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Dave. Thanks to Jeremy Lee for jumping on so much to take in there. So much great information. Be sure to check out Jeremy on Sports Cards Live and his new channel, Sports Cards Live Auctions. And now, we keep it rolling as we bring in my second guest, John Newman of Sports Card Nation, Card Menches, Hobby News Daily, and much more. So, John, one of the questions we've got here is from, it's at Sports Card Struggles. And he's looking forward to trying to figure out how many tables he can get. He wants to see as much as he can. He knows that his time is limited there. And in the handful that you've been to, I know they've said that Chicago is going to be wider and bigger than they've ever had before, but like how, how congested or how claustrophobic does it feel when you're trying to make your way through that big room? It's, it's a tough question because it really depends what day you're there. You know, if it's a Sunday, it's going to open up more than a Saturday or a Friday might be a uh, Dave. So it depends on the day, but on average, it's it's pretty tight. Again, they've expanded their footprint uh, for this year's. We don't know really what that means yet. It's sight unseen, so it's all we can speculate till there's no tomorrow. Chicago's usually everyone's favorite venue, so it's pretty it's pretty packed. You got to kind of box out, and you know, to get in front of a showcase a little bit. Um, you know, if you're going for one day, it's going to be tough. For anyone going for one day, it's going to be tough to get to every every table. But if you're there for a few days and that's your your game plan, it can be done for sure. 
would imagine too, it depends a little bit on what you want to do. If you are just someone who can scan and you kind of know what you're looking for, you might be able to hightail it through. But if you are someone who likes to dig through the dollar boxes, you better go for more than a day or two. Yeah. I mean, ideally you definitely want to be there. I would say the, to me, in my opinion, for the, you know, the two cents, that's where three days is sort of like the, the big for me. Like if I couldn't go for three days, I probably wouldn't even make the trip. I mean, again, speaking for only myself, I understand people's schedules might not only allow them a day and life, life calls. And I get all that. So I'm not, you know, not being derogatory in that sense, but, for me, I, I would, I would, for me to make that trip, I got to be there at least three days. And I'm usually there four to five uh, most years. So, yeah. Uh, what would you recommend? Uh, I know in Atlantic City last year, the I heard the Wi Fi was to, to use it to say there even was Wi Fi is an insult to Wi Fi. <laughs> but, you know, how can, what should people do? In case things go haywire again, what can they do to prepare for for to be able to research what they might be looking for if no one can get a signal? So I go in, Dave, with like five or six cards I'm sort of looking for. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to purchase all five or all six of those. But, you know, if I could get a couple, you know, two was kind of my goal out of that target five or six. I already kind of in my mind, like, you know, offline, so to speak, or before I get to the venue, I'm already kind of have a, a, a what the comps or what these could be going for in my mind. So I don't necessarily have to pull out my phone and check. I'm not saying I never, ever do it. Uh, that's not the case. I don't like to do that in front of a dealer, in front of a table. So even if I did that at the show, I'm more likely etiquette wise, kind of the to go away from the table, do it, and maybe come back, you know, what what, what have you, whenever. Um, but I try to do as much of that before I even step foot through the door um, and sort of be prepared for lack of, you know, if there is a lack of Wi-Fi or that sort of thing. Yeah. And um, was, it, was it last year or two years ago you you got your Jackie right before National, right? Uh Two years ago, yeah, it's uh, not last year, or not last year, but the year, uh, the year before that. Actually, about a year and a half ago. So it wasn't at the national. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I did just make the purchase. You know, I made it online. Um, but I've tried to get that card at the national. You know, there is going to be on certain things. There might be a little sticker shock, Dave. You know, dealers are uh, many dealers are traveling there. They have expenses. You know, hotel, food, lodging, getting their stuff there. So expect, you know, you know, there's still deals to be had. I'm not trying to scare, you know, people want to sell their stuff to have a, a, a great national as, as a dealer. But, you know, there's some that may be, you might have to, depending on the card, you may expect maybe a little bit higher than comps. But shop around, right? Um, if you have the luxury of being there more than one day, like like I usually am, what I like to do, Dave, is the first day I'm there is really just kind of browse and not really necessarily pull the trigger on a lot of transactions. I'm not saying I've never bought anything the first day. I have, but I try to sort of shop around first. Now, you can do that with a card that's maybe not super rare or rare, but if, if, if it's something where there's not a lot of copies, which is probably going to be an expensive card, um, and the price is right. Uh, you also shouldn't be afraid to to pull the trigger. And that's where kind of doing that pre-research will, will come into play for you. Right. And that's one of the things that that you talked about uh, on card the last sorry the last episode of Card Mentions, which I thought was really just so helpful of researching what you can ahead of time. Uh, now there are hundreds of tables, and you can only do so much, but you can at least get an idea of what the cards are that you're looking for, what they're going for, write some stuff down, keep the list. Uh, Jeremy Lee was saying in terms of whether you buy right when you walk in versus shop around is just like you said, if a card is sitting there and it's out of five, that might think that thing might be gone. Just grab it. But if it's, yeah. you know, if it's a card that I'm looking for there, which will be the 1959 tops, Bob Gibson, 
there's probably going to be a thousand of those there. I can, I can have some time to take a look. Yeah, no doubt. And that's a card I'd probably shop around on. I mean, you, you know, part of what you need to do, you know, whether you want to buy it raw or graded, if you want to buy it graded, then you, you need to determine, you know, what grade you're looking at or what range, you know, three, four, seven, eight, I, you know, I don't want to speak for you, whatever that, that may be. Um, and then once you kind of got that, then you can kind of come up with, hey, I'm, I'd like to get it, you know, in this kind of price range if possible and that doesn't mean even if you like you see one and the price isn't too bad and it's it's you know you could still shop around the other thing you can do listen i'm a dealer i don't set up at the national but i am a dealer you know you can also haggle with the dealer right you can say hey uh, you know would you take this or uh you know could you do a little bit better worst thing they can say dave is is no right or right. split the difference in some cases which is something sort of I like to do when I can. So um, there's all sorts of strategies. Obviously, if it's a like you mentioned, a car maybe where there's number to five, let's say, uh, you probably can get away with that more on a card that doesn't fall into that category. Um, but, uh, you know, it doesn't hurt to, to, to sort of bargain. Uh, worst thing you'll get is a no, and then you kind of know where you are, you know, where you stand. Sure. Uh, so David, who is at mostly 90s basketball cards, he he said he wrote, uh, quote, cash is king is a phrase I hear frequently, which makes sense. If I see a card I really want, I'd rather be able to negotiate the price and buy it than try and work out a trade with my cards that the dealer may or may not be interested in. I know there are the multiple trade nights going on there, but is there also a lot of trading going on on the floor or is it just so hectic that the dealers can't quite focus the way they might be able want to, you know, it really depends on the dealer itself. Um, whether they, some dealers will, they're there. They just, you know, they'll tell you, Hey, I, I gotta cost me a lot to set up here. cost me a lot to get here. Um, I'm just selling, uh, right now. Others will have signs out. You'll see them that say buy, sell trade. So you kind of know where that dealer uh, comes in at so it really there's no set every dealer is different you know just like the inventory they might carry right some dealers are strictly vintage some are strictly modern or ultra modern and then some kind of cover both aspects so um it really depends you know on the dealer itself i think if you ask me what percentage would consider a trade especially if it's a trade and cash type of deal I think a majority of them. Uh, mm. If it's just strictly trading, that percentage will get lower. Um, you know, I've heard dealers. I'm a, when I go to the national, I'm, I'm I usually just any cards I buy, I just buy. Uh, I don't really bring much to, to be honest with you, Dave. But I've heard a dealer tell another cu customer. You know, while I was sort of uh, at that table, like they asked, "Hey, would you trade this for that?" And you know, I don't. I'm not saying it was a a super polite comment, but I've heard a dealer say, hey, I can't pay for my table by giving uh, the promoter trading for my table. So uh, I can't just trade. You know, if you want to do a cash and trade deal, I'm open to that. But as far as a strictly trade, um, no. But I but trading cards for cards goes on at every show, not just the national. So it's not off the table, but some dealers won't really consider that again it's an individual dealer type of of question gotcha um do you have you ever done the autograph thing while you're there no i i, I do have some autograph memorabilia but i've never uh, at the national those lines can get long and there's nothing it's a great opportunity to meet some great athletes celebrities uh so i'm not trying to you know be disparaging but you know, some of those lines can be three, four hours long, and that's going to cut into your, you know, your 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 uh, browsing time. So um, I know you can get um, if if meeting the the athlete or celebrity is not of utmost importance to you, you can also sort of pay and get that autograph and the certification and not cut into your browsing time. But I think we all can agree, like there's not a, there's nothing that can replace actually seeing an athlete sign 
your item. I mean, if it's a choice between the two, I guess it's how much you value time. If you're going to be there four or five days and there's just one particular player, you know, uh, that you got to meet, it's it's not a big deal. But if your time is more limited, that's where you have to determine uh, those sort of things. Yeah. And that question came from Mark, who is MJS underscore sports cards. And he was asking exactly what you what you answered, which is, you know, how much of my time do I really want to give up standing in line? It's tough. It's tough. You know, I'm not, I don't want to say I'm not an autograph guy because that's not true. But when I go to the national, um, I'll look at who's signing there just more out of uh, curiosity. But, uh, you know, as far as experience at the national, getting, waiting in line, I've never done that at this point. Yeah. So are you flying into Chicago? I am flying, yep. From and so did you drive area. to AC last year? I did, and, and it'll be in Cleveland next year. So I'll drive next year to Cleveland, but uh, Chicago's just a little a little too far for the for the drive. And the older I get, Dave, the more uh, the, the task uh, driving becomes. I'm getting older. Oh, sure. Well, that leads to the question from Matt uh, at 1956 Top Sky. And he says, well, the only outstanding question I have is, What's the parking situation? So when you were pulling into Atlantic City, was there traffic? Did you get there early? What was that like for you? Um, yeah, you want to get to the show early. I mean, I have a media uh, pass, so I can get in the show 30 minutes, uh, you know, and I'm just being honest, not, I'm not, you know, before everyone else. So I'll get there earlier. So parking's never, never too bad. One word of advice. Um, if you're attending, you know, as non-media, which is most people, frankly, um, you know, buy the VIP uh, ticket. I believe that gets you uh, parking is included with that. And uh, then it's one less thing for you to, you know, worry about. You already sort of have your parking cover. But if you're not getting there when the show starts on a fairly busy day, you may you may have to expect to drive around to sort of either find a spot or wait till someone else kind of leaves and, and, and jump in. I know there was one day we didn't get to the show as early as we were planning last year, and this is Atlantic City, Dave, and we had to drive a little bit uh, to to get a spot. It wasn't terrible, I don't want to admit, but, you know, it, it's kind of par for the course. Yeah. I've been thinking about I, – I used to live in Chicago um, for about 10, 12 years, and – I've been thinking about just parking about five miles away and just Ubering it the rest of the way. And... Not, not, not a bad idea. Uh, not a bad idea. I think if you go early enough, you should be okay. But if you, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? If you're running a little bit behind schedule, which happens to the best of us, um, it's, it's not, I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say it's a bad I, idea. Chicago is going to be, I think more attended than Atlantic city. Uh, I've heard predictions uh, in the 120 K uh, I've heard Ray Shuti on my show himself, who, who pretty much uh, is, uh, you know, does a lot of the logistics. Think it could be a, a record-setting show, um, especially modern day. So, just keep those things in mind. Uh, sort of having a game plan. The earlier you can get there, um, you know, uh, even if you can get there even early, even before the doors open, and if, especially if you're with people. You can maybe grab some breakfast or even just wait outside. You know, time isn't bad. Waiting isn't bad when you got three or four people you're talking to. It's a little bit different when you're maybe by yourself and those minutes go a little bit slower when you keep looking at your watch. And it feels like it's 10 minutes later and you're looking, it's two minutes later, like, holy smoke. So if you're with a group of people, waiting uh, isn't as bad as if you're you're not. And so... That's a that's a factor too. The earlier you can get there and sort of beat the the main traffic, that's your your best bet. And there's stuff around uh, the Donald Stevens Convention Center, Dave. That even if you were early, if like you park, got a nice spot, you're there early. You can do a few things before the doors even open, but you already got your your parking spot. It seems, and you brought it up a couple of times, and and other shows have mentioned it as well. Just being able to to visit with friends and, and to socialize and, you know, grab a it, drink or breakfast or a cigar or something. That just seems yeah. to be what, what, what this is really about. And sure, there might be some fantastic cards, but this is a chance to see that we've got 
friends and we're not alone in this thing and just to hang out. To me, the hobby is a is a fraternity. You know, I know I talked with you before we were recording about podcasting and podcasters. I look at that as a fraternity, right? We all have that passion about the cardboard and chrome. We're all we're all in this, you know, for similar reasons. Maybe not exactly the same, but very similar. And um, you know, so that that's that's always nice when you're you know with elk-minded people and. It's, it's, you know, I enjoy talking to people, um, you know, it, it's, you know, I've heard people call it the hobby family reunion, seeing people again, you know, you circle that week every year and it's pretty much the same week on the calendar. We're very, very close to it. And you circle that week and you, you know, you're going to see someone again, uh, you know, uh, or maybe someone for the first time that you've gotten to know over the course of the year in, a, in an online uh, fashion. And, uh, you know, I enjoyed talking, going, we set up some dinners, uh, during the week and, uh, it's a great opportunity kind of to catch up and not even always about cards, right? If you, if you're friends with someone and you care about someone, you want to know about how's life going, what else is going on. Cards I'm sure will come up, but it's more than, uh, just the cards too, right? So the tagline for, for my shows, the hobbies, the people, the stories behind the cards, right? Um, you know, where I got this card, what year it was, what national, uh, sometimes, you know, you remember who you bought it from, if you, if you maybe have that sort of relationship. So all those great stories and memories you can make and the nationals, the perfect week to really make those. You take pictures with, with all your friends and, and, and you look back and, you know, about this time I start actually posting pictures from last year's national you know, saying, hey, I'm looking forward to, to this again and, and counting the days down. And the minute this show's over, we'll be counting the days to the next one. It'll be 364 <laughs> uh, to Cleveland, right? And uh, it's, you know, it's a vacation, you know, uh, for people who collect, it's a hobby vacation, right? We're doing something we enjoy. It's, it's you know, five to six days, uh, hopefully for, for most or whatever it might be, right? Even if it's one or two. We look forward to it uh, every year. It's an event, uh, you know, I try to attend, uh, you know, God willing, uh, every year it, it comes up. And the nice thing, it's the same week. So it's easy to tell an employer, hey, this week every year is I do pretty much the same thing. So and kind of build it in there. What you said, it made me think of, I think it was Ryan from Card Collector 2 on his, his show last year, right after National. He said, we are just 51 weeks away from the next national. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's, you start counting the days down and, um, you know, it, it's fun. And, uh, I don't count them down. Uh, you kind of do. I mean, I was tongue in cheek, but you, you know, you get three, four months out, you start looking at the calendar and saying, Hey, we're, you know, we're in, we're in double digits now. It's not a hundred days. It's 99. It's, it's double digit. And that's when, for me, that's when I actually, one of the tips I do is I actually slow my buying down and kind of start saving up some of that money to bring that. That's just how I do it. Um, about but, when, uh, when do you think you start slowing down your buying? About 90 days out. Uh, I'm not saying that, and I'm not saying I'm not buying cards, Dave. I don't want to give, you know, uh, be disingenuous. I'm not buying cards. I'll, I'll put it this way of significant value. Uh, you know, I might be buying 10, 20, $25 cards, but three or four figures, um, I'm probably waiting to the national and sort of just putting that money aside to, to plan on spending, uh, for the, you know, those four or five days that I'm wherever it is in this case, Chicago. Okay. I want to back up a little bit to the idea of making plans and seeing friends and Austin, who's at Carlson underscore cards. He has a fantastic new podcast. He, He's a, he's a planner and he's talked about how he's made this list of the cards that he wants to get and he's trying to make deals ahead of time. But when it comes to the social side of it, his question is, uh, not so much a question is, is what he's thinking about, which is uh, food logistics, strategy for when you first walk into the door on Wednesday night, how to best meet up with others. Uh, for example, do you say, hey, let's meet up a booth, whatever at this time. Or do you have to be even more meticulous with with uh, trying to make plans? For me, uh, you know, 
you can uh, again hopefully the, the wi-fi is better but you can obviously uh text you should probably check your phone you know every 30 minutes see if you got any messages from friends there are places in the show that you can make plans to take a break take a load off sit down vip lounge there are corners quiet corners where you can meet i'm a dinner guy so i don't uh, you wouldn't know it by looking at me that I skip lunch at the National. But during the day, during the day, you know, I have a backpack. All you'd find in my backpack as far as food goes is like some beef jerky, maybe some trail mix or a granola bar. So I kind of bypass lunch uh, because I'm trying to maximize my time. I don't really want to take an hour off the show floor to wait in line or sit down. And eat a big lunch. Plus, what happens when you eat a big lunch? Uh, most for most people, right? Get a little logy, a little tired. So I'm more like protein on the go. Something I can like go off in a quiet corner, pull out some couple pieces of jerky. Uh, you know, eat those, get right back in there, and then I make up for that uh, at dinner time. When we have a, you know, for me, we have a couple dinners planned. Um, you know, I'm part of Hobby News Daily, so we have a Hobby News Daily uh, dinner, like with reservations. Uh, Hobby Hotline's another show I do, and we have resume, uh, reservations. And I mean, even if you're not, I'm not just those are shows, but you can just make dinner plans with anybody, your four buddies. Hey, you know, we're going to the Park Tavern, we're going to the Murray Brothers, we're going to Harry Carey's. You know, if, but if you can do that ahead of time, like I already know. Here we are, you know, a few weeks away, but I we have reservations. Um, I, I made reservations a couple weeks ago for that stuff. So, and it's easier, obviously, the, the further out you can make those reservations, the easier it is to, to get those tables and, and lock in those reservations. So if you know your crew and, and, hey, let's do Thursday or Saturday or whatever day you agree on, you can reserve those tables. Uh, restaurants will stay open a little bit later when the convention's in town. Um, but definitely call uh, ahead and, uh, you know, especially if you have a big party. Like for, for us, it's going to be 10 or 12 people uh, attending these dinners. And so you, to walk into a restaurant on the day of with 10 or 12 people, they're going to probably turn your way unless you get very, very fortunate or someone else canceled, let's say. So, uh, you know, but even for even a party, three, four, five, six, uh, if you can make reservations, if you know, like, this is what we're doing, um, it's a great opportunity uh, to to you know, kind of let your hair down, you know, your feet, get off your feet. And like for me, skipping lunch, I'm rearing to go at dinner. I make up for that skip lunch, uh, full disclosure, uh, at dinner time for sure, as as you can, anyone that knows me or seen me can can attest, so. I got to say, I think what I'm most impressed by so far is is your ability to start scaling back 90 days out. That was the plan for me, and then I just have no willpower. I'm it's tough. It's tough. I didn't say it was easy. As a matter of fact, I I didn't do it this year. I kind of broke my own rule. I acquired uh, one of the cards on that national list was a Hank Aaron uh, rookie card uh, that uh, was on my list, and my plan was to hopefully get it at the, the national and my friend Danny black sent me a link to an auction. And I'm like, man, I'm really shouldn't even be looking at this, man. I'm, I'm kind of in shutdown mode. He goes right now, man, it's a steal. And I just said, I'm going to, all right, I'm going to put one bid and I fully expected Dave. So I'm going to come over the top and outbid me and not get it. And it still be on my list uh, at the national and somehow some way, don't ask me how. I, I don't have a real good explanation. My bid held up, surprisingly and shockingly. And so, obviously, I'm a man of my word. I got to honor my bid. Uh, but that there, and so that was about 85 days left. So I technically broke it. I mean, it wasn't like I did it, you know, 30 days out, but uh, it wasn't really my plan. It just happened to work out uh, that way. Well, if you can get a deal on a rookie card of a player the likes of Hank Aaron, yeah. I don't care if it's 30 seconds out. You just got to go for it. That's And that's kind of – I was shocked. I was shocked for how it didn't get raised. And, um, you know, it, uh, I guess it was meant to be. But uh, did it did it cut into a little bit of my spending money? For sure. But 
you know, we I guess in a sense you can count that as one of the cards that was on the list. Well, I might not have got it at the National itself. So, um, you know, I kind of go in with five or six cards with the goal to get two. If I get three, that's a great show. If I get two, that's my goal. If I get one, either the prices weren't great or I just didn't do a good job finding uh, uh, the deals. That one's I'll kind of blame myself. So uh, that's just kind of how I, uh, you know, I look at it. So I'm curious with with the with the Aaron already in the, in 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 the bank there, what is something that you're looking for? So a lot of I'm a I'm a vintage guy now. I will throw some modern cards. Uh, I, you know, I'll throw some wild cards in the mix, and then and I'm not a a, a secretive guy. I, you know, there's there's plenty of there's nothing that's like super super rare or or you know what I mean where someone's gonna get the only copy i'm not in that stratosphere but you know you mentioned one yourself uh, i don't have a bob gibson that's in the mix uh stan mutual 48 leaf clemente a clemente rookies on the list a modern card or modern especially compared to what i just mentioned is a, a Connor mcdavid young guns uh i like to acquire um and uh you know k-line banks uh, rookies, uh, Tom Seaver. I know there's more than six. So what I need to do as we get even closer is really kind of get that to five or six, top top five or six, uh, with even the others still sort of being on the fringe. Where if you if I can't get you know I'm I'm not doing a good job on the first five or six, you kind of have like a plan B maybe on the other four or five that aren't in the top uh, five or six. So I think one of the worst things you could do, I'm speaking for myself, is, and you you know, you should have fun no matter what. We talked about meeting people and and hanging out with friends, but you, you you know, you go to a card show like that, you want to, you want to buy something, right? You know, so um, last year I I had to wait till the last day uh, to buy anything of significance. And there were points there, Dave, where I'm like, I might just walk, I might not walk out of here with anything off my target list, which still would have been a great show, still would have had a fun, no regrets. But uh, I was, I was, you know, got lucky kind of at the last, uh, last day that I was there, which was Saturday. That reminds me, um, I, I've heard two separate things about whether it's true or not about whether costs or whether dealers start trying to are more willing to accept somewhat lower prices as the show goes on. I've heard. Yes, they do. It's just sort of the the natural tendency of attrition. Saturday and especially Sunday, they might, you know, take a certain percentage off. But then I heard somebody else make a really good point. I forget who it was. It might have been Dave at Extraordinary Cards. He might have said, no, not necessarily, because a week later, they're just going to go in to go to another show. And, and they don't necessarily need to to drop it down. So in your, in your experience, um, is, is there that natural slide at all or no? And, and Dave, Dave's not wrong. Um, the, the the one you know, dealers who do shows like three out of four weekends, let's say, you know, they're probably not going to have uh, you know fifty percent off sign on on Sunday, right? But there are those dealers that the Nationals like their big their big show, right? And so if Sunday rolls around and it's not been a great show for that particular dealer, uh, Sunday's a great day to pick up some steals and deals Saturday. Not so much Saturday is generally the busiest day of the show. The dealers know it. People attending know it. Um, uh, it's going to be harder to find a deal. In my opinion, it, not impossible. I, the cards, a couple cards I bought last year and my last day, there was a Saturday, um, but you're going to have to negotiate and, 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 you know, uh, so someone may not have a sign on their table as a dealer, like, 25% off or 50% off, but that doesn't mean you can't sort of negotiate those terms uh, as well. So it doesn't hurt to ask. The worst thing a dealer can tell you is, sorry, I can't do that, or I can't do that, but I can do this, and maybe you can get that happy medium. If you're there Sunday, uh, and Sunday thins out, uh, Sunday uh, uh, definitely thins out. You're going to have more room to move. Uh, it's going to be less traffic. The dealers know it. That's where you'll see those signs, you know, anything on this table, 50% off. You'll see some dealers put a sign that says everything in this showcase, you know, 
$25,000, whatever the case may be. So Sunday's your best deal, um, but, you know, best deal day. Um, but, you know, that's the risk you take if if you wait to that last day, if you, if, especially if it's, you're not, if it's a card you're looking for that it isn't at one of those tables offering like a clearance sale like that. Great. Well, John, as we, as we wind down, is there anything else that if, if you saw some first timer headed out the door that you would yell one last thing to them, one last piece of advice, what would you say as they head to their first national? Have fun. Two words, you know, I'm, I'm going to say it more, more than two words, but the two words is, is have fun. It's a great event great people uh, that you're going to, you know, you're going to have people, your friends there, people you like, people, you know, whether it be in in content creation or just collecting buddies, make the best time uh, that you can, no matter how many days you're there, one, two, five, six. uh, It's it's a great, the show is kind of what you make it kind of sort of have a game plan, but at the end of the day, right, what are we traveling? What do we go to these events for to have fun, to create memories and that's that's the bottom line. John, thanks so much. Take care and really appreciate you coming on. Uh, thanks for having me, Dave. This was fun. The Shallow End is a Wolfpack Network podcast. The song is Legendary by Black Box. Black Box, play us out.